saw Blue Jasmine. But. If Leonardo da Vinci, no, let's first of all say da Vinci, let's say it right, and then we'll go to Michelangelo. If Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, then he did David, mm-hmm. and then he did the Pieta, mm-hmm. and then he just did like Bazooka Joe comics every day <laughs> until he died. Yeah. Would you be sitting there trying to convince yourself that his Bazooka Joe comics were the best? Probably. Probably. And they'd just all be up in a, a collage, you know, somewhere on, on the wall of the MoMA or something like right, that. Right, right. It's like, <laughs> he threw a clock out the window to see time fly. Walk, Do you walk, understand walk. the the artistry that went into this? <laughs> no. So it's good that there's no Woody Allen movie this year. Yeah, yeah. Guy's got a lot to work. He's got to work on some stuff. Yeah, no kidding. And I mean, yeah, all right, fine. It's incredible. But your Woody Allen, the fact that he could make and finance and produce a movie every year, it's because he's Woody Allen. Right. You know, it's not because pick a filmmaker, Justin Lin, is like, I'm going to make a car movie every year. Right. But, well, I mean, can we get the marketing out? And, you know, is this oversaturation of car movies? Right. Nobody's ever said, is this oversaturation of Woody Allen movies? Yes. Yes, we met oversaturation of Woody Allen years ago. Yeah. We are up to here. Yes. We're full. Our eyeballs. Yes. Yeah. Of whatever. he. What does he like to eat? Do you think he eats? I don't know. He has to eat. Would you be surprised to find out that Woody Allen was like a real, he was like a meat and potatoes man? I guess I would be kind of surprised. Half a chicken every night. Such a string bean. Yeah, he's a little guy. Yeah. (laughs) I just think of him like sipping herbal tea. Right. Yeah. Not not a real... Have we been too supportive of Woody Allen? I want to make sure everybody knows that I am not... (laughs) I Um, repudiate Woody Allen and most of the actions of the last 25 years of his life, um, including all those movies he made. um, I don't know. Maybe we have been too supportive of him. Troubled artists and mm. our support of them yep. problematic faves oops did it already yeah how long ago was our problematic faves show welcome to the show by the way we're the just just enough joke podcast uh i'm your host calvin i'm your co-host mikan hana joined as always by my co-host mikan who hana. is now going to introduce herself hi <laughs> um gosh i don't remember how long ago our problematic faves was what were our faves Uh, (laughs) oh the sweet summer children we were i don't remember i don't you know sometimes christina aguilera talks a little too spicy but (laughs) i'm she still makes me feel stronger um oh boy who did we say it was 1995 that's not true it was 20 (laughs) years later it was 2015 Uh uh-huh probably yeah or 16 right um uh, we might have talked about Woody Allen. We might have talked about Woody Allen. Um, I mean, I can think of problematic people, but I don't think that there are faves. You know, like <laughs> hit me with something. Um, well, like uh, uh, Johnny Depp, for example. Ah, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been a fave. No. Have you ever liked a Johnny Depp movie? Yes, uh, I have in the, in the past. Does it rhyme with Medmershmishmans? Yes. <laughs> How did you know? I I also really liked the first Pirates movie. I thought that was really good. Wow. Yeah. I like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. But there's nothing there's nothing deppy about it. I mean, no. no, I mean, he's fine in the film, but you could just replace him with some other actor from the time period. Yeah. A young Mark Hamill or something. I think he would be that young. Um, 
where did we end up? How did we get here? <laughs> this is not what we want to talk about. Um, I want to mention fast before we do talk about what we want to talk about uh, that Burt Reynolds has passed away. Yes. Oh, I don't think we've ever talked about him on the show before. I don't think we have either. I feel like it falls within our mandate. Certainly yeah. on, the, on the movie show, maybe someday we'll talk about him. But yeah, yeah, he died at 82. And I mean, he was 82. So it's not like, um, you know, I think it was just sort of natural causes. Right. 82 is a pretty good run, but I feel like he could have gotten a couple more years in. So Well, Quentin Tarantino was looking for a couple more years out of him because he was... Scheduled to be in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, no. And his scenes have not been shot, so he'll just be recast, I guess. I guess. Sad loss. Gonna miss him. Yeah. Gator. Yeah. Sharky's Machine. (laughs) All the good ones. Yes. (laughs) All the good ones. The Evening Shade. Right. All the good ones. Uh, But, uh, (laughs) Uh, seriously, though, uh, but it's probably, you're going to shoot a movie about Hollywood in the 70s and- he Burt Reynolds is in it, but he's not Burt Reynolds. Like right. I don't know what you do, but right. we've got all kinds of computers that can take things off of people's faces. Why don't I have Burt Reynolds just play Burt Reynolds? Right. You know, and then get DH Sally Field in there. Or, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They. <laughs> have we talked about this. Hmm. Uh, I've got notes somewhere. I won't waste our audience's time to look them up, and I'll just dive in. No preparation. Knife between my teeth. Oh my gosh. But they did cast a guy to play. Manson in Tarantino's film. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's the same guy who played Manson in like a TV movie or a really? d- Discovery docu series or something. So it's like okay, uh, y- you have a you have a thing. Yeah, a, a, a certain agency. Yes. Uh, the agency's symbol is not a swastika, but a forehead with a swastika, swastika on it, oh which my is gosh. which is different. Please I, take over. I can't. I talk. I don't. <laughs> I, I feel kind of bad for the guy that, like, now he's, like, just playing Manson. Like, I hope he gets other roles after this, you know? Have you ever been a working actor? Um, This is this is Easy Street. Yeah, I this guess. This is the dream. I guess. He's, he hopes that they're going to, because he knows after, uh, if assuming, and I'm sure it will, Quentin Tarantino's movie, you know, goes wide and is a huge success. Yeah. Then he can look forward to more cable you know docudramas and reenactments right. and stuff like that he probably was really bummed when aquarius went off the air and he thought like god damn you david Duchovny, <laughs> what am i gonna do now and he got the scissors and he was just about to cut his matted you know hair right and then ring ring i guess i'll pick this up <laughs> got a got a clippers to his head like a gun right it's his agent. Guess what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is the best thing that ever happened to this they guy. They want you to play Manson again. Yes. And then in a couple years, uh, maybe 15, 20, you know, when they want to do a uh, Manson, a goofy uh, Manson uh, getting married, like a dark comedy, oh, you know, God. about him getting married uh-huh. when he was in prison. Right. This guy will be older. That phone's going to ring again. Okay. It'll be a holographic phone because it's the future we're talking about. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Um, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead and say it. We're talking about serial killers. That's not what we're talking about, but no? I know you're going to say that, though. Oh. That's not what we're talking about. It's not? No, we're talking about the trope in serial killer movies of the investigator who is changed by the thing that he studies. Mm-hmm. If you gaze in the into the abyss too long, the abyss right. gazes back. Also into you, but yeah, okay. gazes back. Okay. <laughs> if Nietzsche was was around, if Nietzsche was texting, uh, autocomplete. All right, gazes back. It's fine. 
and he just hit send. <laughs> yeah, that idea that like, and you've seen this in, you know, a myriad of films. It's a trope. It's why we're talking about it. Right. But I got to find, I got to get into this guy's head in order to do this. Right. I'm the guy in the shield and I want to know how killers. So I'm going to strangle a cat. To know what it feels like Aww. to kill something. Real scene. Real scene from The Shield. That's not okay. I'm going to watch The Shield sometime. Okay. Or don't. Or don't? No. Not uh, very the good? The commish is an asshole. There, I've saved you seven years. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know. It's better than that. But uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. And you see this in all detective fiction, and almost all detective fiction these days is tracking down serial killers. Right. I feel like in the 1940s, it was... Oh, I better use this matchbook to write down these names that this guy's saying. Right. And then I'll tell the the busboy to call this number at five o'clock. Right. And then I'll make sure that the kid what? I know. I think we, we might have traded up. <laughs> we might have traded up in that department. But yeah, that's what we're gonna talk about. And in doing so we'll talk about a couple current releases, a couple uh, earlier releases. Um really kinda if I do say so, um covering the span of serial killer fiction. At least from the uh, 80s until now. Yeah. Which I think has been the hot, hot time. Mm -hmm. You see it slowing down at all? (laughs) Millennials have killed everything. I don't know. Millennials have killed everything from uh, avocado farms (laughs) or or whatever. (laughs) You know, help me out. Uh, Avocado farms to cell phone manufacturers. Yeah. Millennials don't use cell phones. They don't? They put a natural... uh, stick in their butt and they listen to no why'd they kill cell phones i don't know they created cell phones i suppose you're right right think about millennials yep okay yep what do they do do you have to answer right away that's different than what you did and because you're half millennial anyway think about you at 10 and your normal day Mm-hmm. Aside from, you know, playing with toys or whatever. I mean, imagine, you know, just what you did or what your parents did uh-huh. and what millennials do now. And the difference, the divide between those two ways of life, that's what we're talking about. So millennials have killed the wine industry because they like boxed wine or whatever, you know. Right. Millennials aren't killing anything. They're just living their lives. Nobody right. says that... that um, late stage boomers killed the TV dinner. It's like, we'd just rather microwave something. Right. Or DoorDash. Right. Well, now we're getting into millennials. Well, I think millennials killed the housing. um... No, the housing killed millennials. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Because none of them can afford to have a house. It ain't their fault they can't buy a house. That's true. So, wrong one there. Uh, They've killed going to go see movies because they'll just stream movies at home. They have kind of done that, haven't they? Yeah. We're kind of guilty of that, too. Yeah. Just wait till it's on streaming. Well, what were we going to do? Yeah, I know. What were we going to do? It was all multiplexes, and every theater's got 25 screens, and they only came up with, like, Smell-O-Vision and 3D and, <laughs> and everything now. I'm surprised they didn't come up with it then. Yeah. What was wrong with us when we grew up, decade redacted, mm-hmm. that we were just happy to just go and see whatever all the crappy movies we're going to talk about today all the crappy movies the bone collector uh, uh, <laughs> at the multiplex and shovel popcorn in our mouths and we wouldn't didn't ask for anything yeah i know and now it's like well does it have uh, holograms that put a finger up your butt no <laughs> no just, just yeah i'm streaming right millennials are killing the finger up the butt industry oh my gosh let's talk about some news 
I said this on the Star Trek show, but I wanted to reiterate here that Star Trek has won the Governor's Award, not won so much as they are being presented with it at the Creative Arts Emmy Award, uh, okay. which was this weekend. And it is basically a acknowledgement of their long, long service and also their the way that they've pushed TV forward. Okay. Before you get too excited, this is an honorary Emmy. It's like an honorary Oscar. All right. Before you get too excited, American Idol has won this award. <laughs> oh. You know what I mean? Okay. But it's the first time in a long time that, or maybe the first time ever, I think, that a, a franchise, like a creative franchise, has won it. Like, people have won it. Right. Just Say No has won it. You know, it's, yeah, like I said, American Idols won it. Uh-huh. Uh, Mill Filem that one year. Uh, but this is the first time that, like, a creative universe... Okay. You know, a franchise has won it. Sure. And so I think that's... Um, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And on hand to accept it was, uh, and this was very thought out, but William Shatner and Sonequa Martin-Green. <laughs> so it's like... Really? Let's just get the whole thing. Yep. And then we're going to merge them in a teleport, uh, transporter accident. <laughs> and that's season two of Discovery. Right? Right there. Yeah. The old and the new. Oh, man. That's yeah. more commentary like that. Whoa. Let me hold I, off for a second. I didn't mean that. Why is William Shatner peanut butter? I didn't say that. In your racist I did refrigerator not mean it like that. of, <laughs> of totally flavors <laughs> and unguents being uh, ethnicities, why is he peanut butter? I honestly didn't mean it. If anything, it. he's maple syrup. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant. Or you white know. gravy on poutine. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of white things, uh, oh a lot of white people like a series called The Witcher. It is uh, yeah. three successful video games, all based on a series of books from the 80s. They're Polish. Nobody's ever read them until this game where you could get trading cards with boobs on them came out. <laughs> yeah, my guns are out today. I don't really care. Okay. Uh, and so now a bunch of fat white guys think these books are really great. I'm sure they're, you know, all oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're no Harry Potter. <laughs> But Harry Potter's no Harry Potter. Anyway, uh, well, of course, this is going to be a Netflix series. Of course it is. At what point does Netflix have to stop spending money? Um, does Netflix have I a dad who's got to come in and go, you're, you're grounded. Cut off. Yeah. You spent how much on Angry Birds on right. my credit card? <laughs> I don't think they have a cutoff point because they just seem to keep spending money like it's rain. Anyway, it's going to be a series. I got two horrible stories about it. The first horrible oh story, number one, Henry Cavill will star as Gerald. Oh, that's right. A creepy man for a creepy game. Yeah. Want to tell me more? Um, what do you know about he, Henry Cavill? Go on a date with him? No, I would not go on a date with him. Aww. I think he's kind of a creepy guy, and his creepy stash makes him even creepier. That's not his fault. Maybe it's not his fault, but... His creepy baby mouth. Is yeah. <laughs> um, I just know there are stories about him. There are. Um, he's kind of a creeper. Yeah. And um, we don't have to contribute to any calumny here. No. But you can find them. Yeah. Online. Uh, so anyway, um, also, he's just not, I guess, I played the first Witcher, I guess. You did? People love Geralt. Gerald, whatever. People love the guy because he's a dude, bangs all the ladies, and he's tough, and he's okay, rough, and mm-hmm. gruff. <laughs> he's buff, too. 
Eve has sex with ladies on unicorns. Oh, great. I don't know. Um, you know, he doesn't take any shit. Sure. Anyway, I don't know. I, but as far as a personality, does he have one? I don't really know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, so maybe Henry Cavill's perfect. Uh, and then the next thing was, uh, there's another character in the game series called Siri. Okay. Uh, and she is like, um, I don't know. She's, she's like another witcher type character she's got white hair like him and some of his powers and stuff like that and okay it's like, it's like a younger sister or like a ward you know that he looks after kind of okay i think <laughs> haven't really <laughs> read the wikipedia page sure anyway um and she is also white hot you know the whole thing mm-hmm. and they are looking for or it is rumored that they are looking for a b-a-m-e character what does that stand for i might have got the Initialism wrong, but basically black, Asian, something, not a white person character. Oh, okay. Tick, 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 All tick, right. tick. Sorry, I'm just waiting for the internet to explode. <laughs> okay. How do you think the so, jerking net beards are going to go for this? They're probably not going to go for it very much. They are not but gonna go for that. Maybe hiring Henry Cavill will actually bring some of the neck beards in. Maybe they like can relate to him and his superman role and everything or his creepiness yeah his creepiness i've already seen the neck beards as you call them uh complaining about it really yes maybe henry cavill is like a secret neck beard himself or something (laughs) please tell me more well, I mean, he's certainly creepy enough, and um, he doesn't realize how creepy he is, and he continues being creepy. Which I don't... Uh, wow. are We We need to do a show about Henry Cavill. I guess. I guess entitlement? Mm-hmm. Just how did he get to be that way? Right. Institutionalized sexism? But why him? Right. Oh, boy. He thinks he's You're, like you got me going. He's like God's gift to women. He does. Yeah. Is he what you'd get if you took a and again, this is a straw berry flavored ice cream man that we're creating here. Oh my but gosh. just, you know, the picture of the internet neckbeard, right? Yeah. Is he what you'd get when you give the internet neckbeard, you know, a million dollars worth of liposuction? You know, and peck implants. Mm-hmm. Do you get Henry Cavill? Yeah, I or think so. is it a Peggy Sue got married scenario? Ooh, I'm not familiar with Peggy Sue got married, so you're gonna have to help me out. Yeah, you are. Really? No. We gotta stop this podcast and watch Peggy Sue got married. It's not that great. <laughs> Kathleen Turner plays Kathleen Turner. No, she plays Peggy Sue, <laughs> sure. and she is going to her 20 year high school reunion or whatever, right? So she's sure. like, you know late 30s she bumps her head and travels through time as you do and ends up as herself maybe it's like the 15 year and somehow it's in the middle of the 80s they go back to the 50s because we're obsessed with the 50s and the 80s right she goes back to the 50s to peggy sue times right yeah and then it's all she's in her head back then it's 13 going on 30 before 13 going on 30 ripped it off all right sure and then we go through all the whole like oh she's putting booze in her coke you know because she's a adult woman you know who's this teeny bopper bobby soxer right her dad bought an Edsel. She thinks that's hilarious. You know, but her dad gets mad at her for laughing at him. 
And then she's got to make the choice. Does she go with Nicolas Cage mm-hmm. uh, in high school, her high school boyfriend, or does she go with the other guy who is Nerdy Man McFerdy Plan, who's okay. definitely a name that you'd know now, and I can't remember who played that role. Sure. It's that kind of thing. Okay, So sure. we get a guy who, who's in his mid-40s or 50s. You know, he is a stereotypical, yell-on-the-internet nerd guy. He bumps his head coming out of a 7-Eleven, right? Yep. And he's tr- drinking that experimental new Slurpee flavor, right? But we don't know <laughs> what the chemicals are in there. And then somehow he ends up back in his own body in the mid-80s. Sure. He s- invests in Star Wars collectible cards or something like that, right? <laughs> now he's got a personal trainer. Boom, boom, boom. Sure. Comes out. He's Henry Cavill. Yeah. You have to move it up a little bit because Henry Cavill's not that old. But Right. No, I think that totally He's gonna works. He's going to do it all again. Right. And this time it's going to be crunches and it's going to be young, young women and it's going to be weird comments mm. about the Me Too movement. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think we used up all of our time on this. On Henry Cavill. Was it worth it? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure that it was. <laughs> Uh, I guess we'll have to just say instead that Swamp Thing is coming to the DC Universe. Okay. Len Wiseman. <laughs> Uh-oh. Len Wiseman will be uh, producing it okay. and directing the first episode. He oh. of, you know, Mr. Mr. Kate Beckinsale. Oh, oh, okay. Not great. So you- he did the... Um, Van Helsing. Yeah. Uh, Captain Marvel has had a big spread in EW, and yeah. there's new information. What's the new information? Tell us. Uh, Cavill will be playing <laughs> the Cree over. No. Um, new information. We saw the Cree for the first time. Um, How are they going to get over that? I don't know that they are. We've already done it on TV, I guess, and nobody yeah. said boo. So how are we going to get past now? The Cree are they? Their planet Choctaw is their worst enemy. Does nobody have anything to say about this? I don't know if anybody does. <laughs> I mean, people are just super excited to see Cree and that they actually look pretty decent. But we've updated things before. Like, there's no Egg Young Foo, like, in DC or That's whatever. That's true. And you'll never see Fing Fang Foom right. in uh, in a Marvel movie, um, which is too bad because a Marvel movie with Godzilla would be pretty cool. Sure. Um, they, it's kind of clumsily handled update of the Mandarin was, in a lot of ways meant to update that aesthetic which is like we're not gonna do the mandarin props to shane black who came out and said like we didn't want to do that because that's a yellow peril racist thing right thumbs up so shane black can see discrimination (laughs) if it's happening to men because another story that sorry you blew your shot at a captain marvel story because another story that we have is the new predator movie that's coming out yep features a scene with an actor who is a friend of Shane Black's and has been in one or two of his movies that was busted for like, you know, oh. assaulting a woman or something. Yeah, I heard about that. And so Fox is like, we got a problem. And to her credit, and I think the uh, shame spiral ends here because except for just, you know, me not, I'm not really a big fan of hers. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Olivia Munn's ever done anything really all that wrong. But right. Olivia Munn basically said, you can just take me out of the entire movie unless you do something about this. Right. And so they cut that guy out of the film. Okay. But Shane Black has already said in the statement, you know, the guy's, you know, he's, he's had his problems. And, you know, and I think he's uh, faced his uh, it's like, All right. Okay. Why don't you and Henry Campbell just go to lunch together? <laughs> Drink protein shakes. <laughs> and your weird Slurpee that's oh. glowing, a strange color. We don't know. We don't understand what it's supposed to be. Oh. 
Oh yeah, yeah sure. you want me to take over? <laughs> I thought you'd have something to say. Um, their their neon drinks are no, quite no, no, electric. Okay, not about that. Uh, okay. We'll flip back to uh, Crystal Reed is an actress who's going to play Abby Arcane in that aforementioned Schwamp thing thing. The Swamp thing thing. Yeah. Okay. On DC Universe. All right. DC Universe. That's their. Um, uh, that's their uh, streaming streaming network. Server first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, they keep adding more things. So they do. They keep adding all kinds of things. Yeah. How sticky is this wall? Yeah, pretty sticky. We're gonna find out. Yeah. It uh, looks like uh, Rebecca Ferguson is in talks to join Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Denis Villeneuve Dune. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Sounds like the sp- Swedish chef. Yeah, it kind of does. Like a Muppet's name. Uh, she's also gonna be in the uh, Doctor Sleep sequel. What do you think about Denis Villeneuve's Dune? Um, I don't know. I mean, we already have like one Dune movie, and there was one Dune movie that was doomed. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you have to try again. Okay, we already had one Dune movie with. You have to say it again. Just... Um. <laughs> all right. Fine. Um. I. I don't know. Like we keep chasing the Dune down. You know. Do we? I feel like we do. Do we? <laughs> Two movies in 30, almost 40, well, yeah, just about 40 years. That uh-huh. we keep That's a keep chasing, huh? I feel like it is. And then a handful of sci-fi television uh, miniseries? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the books certainly have continued to be popular. Um, I, don't I would th- challenge that. You think so? I think the aforementioned strawberry-flavored ice cream man. Yeah. <laughs> that we got our episode title. Uh, that we proposed before has read them, but I'd like to see the numbers on Dune flying off the shelf. Okay. I'm not saying it's not being bought. I just right. think that, you know, things like Harry Potter, things like uh, The Song of Ice and Fire, I yep. think that they're probably hotter right now. No, you're probably right. Um, I don't know. There has to be something. I feel like there's something compelling about the story that people keep wanting to go back to it. Mm. Um, I agree. And those were your thoughts on Rebecca Ferguson being rumored for Dune. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> back to you, gal. <laughs> I'm back on board. Uh, Timothy Dalton is going to star as the chief in the Doom Patrol series. So oh, I'm back, baby. Wow. Well, that's kind of fun. Now, I mean, it's still guaranteed to not last uh, 12 episodes, but <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. Timothy Dalton, though, he's fun. Yeah. He's a good actor. Timmy Dalton, uh, Dalton, Brendan Fraser, and some other people. Yeah. So they hit that wall where they're like, okay, we're done. We're done. Right. We're done, you know, scraping the bottom of the, uh, you know, the uh, unnamed young actor barrel. Uh, it's time to, like, get some star power. Let's in get here. some names. Who in do here. we get? Yeah. The worst James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so not fair. I speak for the world, not for myself. Okay. Uh, right. What else is going on? Oh, and April Bowlby. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, what else is going on? It looks like uh, Marvel's. Um, well, no, we were talking about Marvel before. Um, Kevin Feige uh, has said recently that he wants to push uh, f- female heroes as the the leaders of the next generation of Marvel films. Okay. All right. So like Shuri? Maybe. Sure. E. So <laughs> 10 years was all we had to pay the piper. Okay. I guess. 
to wait to get like female Marvel movies. So when did they bring up the wage gap? Are we 10 years out from that? Is it time to start turning Uh, that around? I think that's time. I think it's time. Is it that thing where it's just like, okay, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Your parents say, we'll see. Yeah. Then you finally make it to Disney World. Right. And then they're like, well, you know, we didn't know if we were going to go to Disney World or not. You know, but we ended up going and we're glad that we're here. And uh-huh. it's like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> you kept me, you strung me out. Right. For a Mickey ice cream on a stick. Right. Um, speaking of ice cream. Yeah, that seems to be a theme Are today. the ears, is it Neapolitan, isn't it? Like uh, the ears are chocolate and the faces, the I, gloves are. I, yes, let's say yes. Is this thing real or is it in my mind? <laughs> <laughs> dreams about this thing. <laughs> anyway, um, it's all well and good to go, yeah, well, I really want that to happen now that you've got two and a half years left on your contract. Right. Well, I'd see... He doesn't have to deliver on those promises. No, I... And, and he's I s- been the king of the Waffle House as far as making those promises up to this point. That's true. I've seen a couple articles talking about how, like, wouldn't it be great to see a woman-led Marvel film and, like, let's have all the female characters of Marvel be in a movie together? No, let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah, I'm not it's as excited about that A4 either. situation. But anyways, yeah. You could do a extreme X-Men, but, like, the last one, or the one, the Sam Humphreys one. The, the Sam Humphreys one? Yeah, where it's just, like, all ladies. Okay, sure. He was doing that before. He's so, remember Sam Humphreys? Yeah. He's so modest. <laughs> when we were talking to him, um, well, one of the many times we've talked to him, uh, I was saying, like, it's such a big deal now that, um, was it Brian Wood or whatever, has made all the X-Men, it's all ladies. Uh-huh. I was like, you were doing that like 18 months ago in X-Force. He's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm just really happy to be part of this effort. And it's like, come on, Sam. <laughs> Fire your guns off, man. Right. Let's hear you. Yeah. You made Psylocke a lesbian. <laughs> or bisexual, I guess. Whatever. And finally, before we go, did we talk in the previous in a previous show about the popular award category for the Oscars? I believe we've mentioned it. The yes. Black Panther Award. Yes. As some internet genius slash idiot dubbed it, and now right. that just stuck. It's off. Really? Looks like the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And really, how much science is there? He's got a guy with goggles on. He's <laughs> pouring a liquid into a tube or something. Somehow I don't think in so. A, in a motion picture? I don't think so. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, they are canceling that. It will not be a feature at the 91st Academy Awards. Why? Next year. Because it's a dumb idea. Okay. Because it's a dumb idea. And cooler heads prevailed. Cooler heads, though, are the result of steam escaping from extremely hot heads going, this is the dumbest idea ever. And now the head's cool because that's how steam works. Right. <laughs> Evaporation. Uh, why? The Internet has spoken. That's why. Because in the a Internet statement they've said, said stupid. Yeah. OK. Yeah. All right. If you had an idea mm-hmm. to to buy a hot air balloon. In the shape of Pepe the Frog. I know we're getting real political Very and, specific. and yeah, uh, on this show, but anyway. And then you put it on Facebook. You would be on Kotaku or you'd be on Gizmodo or some Gawker site. Mm-hmm. You would get a million emails telling you to kill yourself. 
And you would go, wow. after consideration, I've decided that the impracticality of a Pepe balloon would, blah, blah. but in the meantime, you'd be, you know, in therapy because of the stupid thing that you decided to do. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. The official reason is that we have, we have, we've heard, you know, well, actually they didn't do that. They just said basically they introduced it nine months into the year, which means it's impractical. Do you know what I mean? They should announce it for a year coming up. Oh, I see. And I'm like, it's based literally on popularity. So what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Nobody is getting ready to make their film and going, Oh crap, you guys hurry. We gotta put make it more popular. We've only got three months left. <laughs> right. I mean we're gonna do one of those unpopular movies, but forget that. <laughs> What is it about serial killer phones that entrances people so? I think we're fascinated by the violence and um, we are, it's just so horrible to try to uh, grasp. They're just like us. Right. Well, they're- He lived next door. They're psychotic. He always, yeah, I saw him taking the garbage out. Right. He was quiet. Right. Kept to himself. Um- Am I a serial killer because I don't understand that? I find that very boring. Like, I get that, oh, it was the whole time he was... But it's just like, yeah, I get it. That doesn't do much for me. Okay. I'd much well, rather see Godzilla or something. I don't think <laughs> Something that... that is, like, un outside of our experience, unfathomable, than the totally... I, res I agree, and I think that's what it is, the idea of... A monster that we can't recognize as a monster. Right. But when you it just sounds so flat when you describe it like that, it sounds boring. Yeah, it does kind of sound boring. But I mean, you think about somebody like Jack the Ripper or something like that. that like, no, but we don't know. Jack the Ripper is, they never knew who, who it was. I know. They he never caught warning. him. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like it was. And it turned out to be the guy that worked at the greengrocer. Right. Oh, well, he was so quiet. Right. They're always quiet. I know. Isn't everybody quiet? <laughs> Unless you have a conversation with them. Right. Nobody expected that. Ooh, if you're a serial killer, start being real loud. Right. Be a little jocular. And going boisterous. around. Yeah. They're yeah. Like, that couldn't be a serial killer. Guys won't shut up. Right. Where somebody would serial kill him. <laughs> he's quiet around here. Yeah, I just think that that's really strange. And I think that Melissa Olsen would probably agree with us that it ties into the idea of vampires or werewolves or whatever. The idea yeah. that that's not supposed to happen. Like, that's just a guy right. in a satin cape. <laughs> why, and why is he now going, blah, and he's going to hypnotize and suck my blood? Or, right. you know, so-and-so is just a nice little gent, and he grew fangs and fur, and he's howling at the moon. Right. It's like the horrible you know hidden within the mundane that sort yeah of thing. no i think that's the idea that yeah, your exactly. neighbor waves at you and goes into his little ranch house and inside it's human skin lampshades and it's like a house of horrors yeah you know the burbs <laughs> burbs is by the same guy that did mindhunter really no of course not oh okay so that's we get that we've seen that we know what that is i kind of want to spend a little time talking about but maybe we'll just touch on right now about how this seems to be a late 20th century kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. 
Countess Bathory or right. Gilderai or, you know, just somebody, we, we broke into his castle and there was a hundred bodies in there or right. something like that. Or, yeah, yeah, the people, you know, Pol Pot is like the greatest serial killer ever or like Joseph Stalin or whatever. Like, right. Yeah, 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 I get it. There's a lot of monsters in like human history, but mm-hmm. this idea or at least popular culture picking up on this thing and just running with it to the point where... Carrie Elwes is the killer. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I know. Uh, how could God do the, the most? He's the, he was so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say anything in Twister. I um, know. But uh, the fact that we've just, it's become so popular. And like now you could have like a movie like Adaptation where the joke is, is that the brother is working on a screenplay about a serial killer who is the guy who's going after him and is the victim too. And it's like we laugh because it's like, yeah, that sounds like something stupid that a bad screenwriter would come up with. Right. Now it's all robots. Uh-huh. But I mean, in the 90s, that's that joke worked. Right. So what? what why? I think, for the reasons already stated. Yeah, for the reasons already stated. And um, I, I think, you know, there's something about somebody who kills repeatedly that's just so dangerous and do we scary. find okay okay do we find something to latch on to or identify with then in the idea that they've have got urges like i just when i open that can of pringles <laughs> you know oh boy you gotta you need a team of horses to put that top back on <laughs> So I get it. I get it, man. Oh, man. You're eating uh, co-ed's eyes. And, you know, oh. It's probably the same thing. Oh. Is it that sort of thing? I, like we all struggle against, you know, urges and, and uh, impulses? Yeah, but I mean, I think that their impulses are, are worse and um, <laughs> yeah, more well, monstrous. Not, no judgments. <laughs> no value judgments. Um, and uh, I think there's something about us that we want to, you know, catch the killer. Um, ah, now you're bringing it back to the uh, the, the, the dentist. I was gonna say dentist, the dentist part of it. That sounds like a serial killer. This guy's the, this guy's the a collector of, yeah. of teeth. <laughs> no, save it. Gonna, we'll get there. Uh, okay, well, so the detective part. We talked about noir detectives and mm-hmm. that whole sort of thing and piecing it out and figuring it out. Um, and I think that that's probably an um, an important part of uh, the, the equation. Um, although nobody ever remembers like, oh yeah, jo- Angelina Jolie got him. They just remember, oh yeah, he sucked people's eyes out through their dicks or something like that. Oh my gosh. That's what they really remember. Yeah, well, who, I know. who are the guys that caught Ed Gain? I have no idea. Yeah, there you go. I, I don't know. I don't know who they are. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I think there's, there's something about like, you, you want, you want to catch them. And you want to make sure you caught the right person, because what if you, (laughs) you know, catch somebody who has, but then, you know, what if you mistakenly capture the wrong person? Like they're still kind of shady and is really yeah. Is that a thing or is that? Invented by screenwriters so you can have a third act. Oh, well, maybe it's invented by screenwriters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was really. They were, uh, by the time they got the BTK, like they're like, thank God we got him. They were like, is this the guy? <laughs> no, you're probably right. There's no second act in American Lives, and there's no third act in getting the son of Sam. Like you just get him. Yeah, no, you're right. 
Let's talk about films that deal with that idea. Because if these guys are crazy, then you gotta get. You're never gonna catch them unless you hmm. get a little crazy into the their minds. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. Um, yeah. Um, and think. Oh, I gotta think like these guys. And then after I'm done, I gotta go sit on a beach for a while and just chill out. <laughs> right. And then somebody else is killing, and you gotta go. Need you back. Need you back one more time. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I can do it. Exactly. Just saying that, and clearly, I'm talking about Manhunter from yes. 1986. Um, Michael Mann. Michael Manhunter. <laughs> um, I'm sure that there is books or blogs or Strawberry Ice Cream Man. <laughs> Uh, or wherever that went, uh, you know, uh, podcasts about this. But for me, it I, I feel like, you know, and I looked at a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw, I guess, it was like 74, right? Mm-hmm. Like Manhunter is like, there had to be movies like this before then. But to me, that stands out as the one where we really planted a flag and said, we're doing this now. Right. This is going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not privy to all the other films that came out and weren't successful uh, of 1985, four, six. Right. But that seems to be like a real starting point for this thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, Harris's novels were, you know, like written in the late 70s. Um, but the Manhunter was based on Red Dragon. Right. But I think about Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. What does he do? He's a he- cop. Yeah. He's a detective cop. Mm-hmm. But he's the killer, too. No, he is. He's the cop and the killer at the same time. Yeah. And so he's not trying to get into the heads of the repl- replicants. No. He does at the end because that's kind of the replicants thing. It's like right. a flip. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, then did that exist in film before then? Because it's such an amazing idea, like having the victim make the killer, who is the hero, sympathize with them, you mm-hmm. know? But even even in that, like it's tough. It's tough to shoot people that look like people, and you're told over and over again they're, they're not, not people. Real Don't people. worry about it. Yeah. To the point where, what's his name's got to drag him in and be like, "Gotta need you back. Need your Blade Runner magic." Right. And he's just been drinking himself, you know, to death, you know, in his uh, Aztec apartment because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to think about this stuff. Right. Um. And I think. There's something to that uh, dehumanization that, you know, serial killers, I think they dehumanize Oh, you did bring it back to the theme. <laughs> Maybe being a good co-host all of a sudden. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, do you think, boy, I'm trying to keep on topic and the, the topic's so broad. Yeah, I know. I guess this is something that I don't think about a lot. So, yeah, I guess it's about dehumanization. Uh, you're not a human, so I can kill you. Right. Look, why can't they just hit a pillow? Because <laughs> they feel... Serial pillow puncher. They feel power when... We gotta stop when... this guy. Yeah. <laughs> Look at how lumpy these things are. <laughs> they feel power when they take yeah, yeah, yeah. control of somebody else's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, mm-hmm. let's leave Blade Runner in the dust. Okay. Um, Because... We could just do that the whole show. Yeah, we could. But let's talk about Manhunter. Okay, let's. Uh, Michael Mann, of course, adapted uh, the Thomas Harris book mm-hmm. uh, into a movie about William Peterson. <laughs> yes. Who was so hot in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. And where did he go? Yeah. And then he came back later. He did. On TV. Mm-hmm. The Miles Teller of the mid 80s, I like to say. 
I can't wait for Miles Teller's police procedural, which will be on in 2025. And it's going to be awesome. It'll be great. It'll be a little fatter, but he's going to be solving the crimes and being all sassy and yep. get, getting it done. It'll be awesome. I'm going to watch the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually uh, was he was not th- other people were up for the role. Sure. And man saw him in To Live and Die in L.A. Uh, movie that was made the year before. OK. Which is all right. People take a shits over it. But <laughs> it was fine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he saw him in that and thought, oh, that's my guy. OK. Like his look. Sure. Uh, lean and hungry look. <laughs> a little too hungry, it turned out. Oh, boy. Whoops. And so, yeah, he plays uh, Will Graham, mm-hmm. uh, a profiler. Uh, I don't know if he ever worked for the FBI or he was just, you know, I feel like contracted. He, he did, but worked I don't with know. them. Yeah. Maybe not for them. And uh, yeah, he's doing what? Um, well, at the beginning, fences. beginning of the film, Our yeah, turtles. he's building fences for to keep the baby turtles keep going. Keep these metaphors right. safe. Yeah. Right. Um, he's prematurely or prematurely he's early retired from the fbi because of his the the last case he did was was bringing hannibal lecter in and lecter almost killed him and he was psychologically traumatized after that encounter um so much so that he prematurely quit or retired i should say um but then his boss, Jack Crawford, comes and visits him yeah. and was like, we need you back. Um, that Blade Runner magic. Right. Uh, there are these two families that have been killed and um, we need your expertise. We need you to get into the killer's head like you do. Because um, that's a thing. Yes. That's a thing that people do. That's a thing that people do. Is that a thing people do? Well, it's something Will Graham does. <laughs> I know but that I mean, much. yeah, and I know that something like Mindhunter is based on a true story. It's based on the efforts of you know FBI agents mm-hmm. uh, with psychological you know backgrounds, profiling, trying to think crazy, to think like crazy, right? And talking to Bud, what's his name, and talking to. Um, the Hillside Strangler or, right. or whatever. Who's who's their big guy? They wanted to talk to Manson, but they hadn't yet. Who's the guy that they talked to? <sighs> Gosh. Didn't do my homework. I can't remember. Anyway, you know, you know uh, the, uh, Richard Speck. Richard Speck. That's who it was. Now I remember. Okay. Who, by the way, it's more of like a spree killing than a serial murder. Okay. But anyway. Uh, yeah. Get, and So that's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. So clearly this kind of thing exists, but... Thomas Harris is writing his books at like the same time. Right. The same time that we've got a Zodiac killer. We've yes. got, you know, um, B- BTK, Golden State. These guys are like having a victim or two on them. Yeah. Oh, Son of Sam, of course, mm-hmm. you know, in, uh, in New York. Um, the Boston Strangler. Yep. That sort of thing. So it's like 70s kind of sucked for a lot of reasons. <laughs> this yeah. is one of the reasons that they sucked. Mm-hmm. There, there, there seemed to be increasing violence and... Um, there seemed to be people were more afraid to go outside of their homes. It seemed like, yeah. I'd say, were um, all these guys white? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So they were scared to go outside of their homes for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. Because Sam Spade wasn't like, oh, these these crimes, it's too much. 
I have to I can't get, take it. I have to get into these criminals' heads. Oh, in order to, how do to, I get into these Gunsels' heads? Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, no, he was busy, you know, trying to play a trick on a police detective. Right. And making sure that that busboy brought him the package in time. Right. And then he's got him. Right. <laughs> or like, it reminds me of uh, the uh, the thrilling climactic golf game in Goldfinger. <laughs> where James Bond plays golf with Orc Goldfinger. And he uses the caddy to like find out that he's cheating. So they cheat back. And it's like, we've got him. <laughs> How'd you just shoot this guy? <laughs> he's trying to take control of the world's gold supply. What are you doing? You got a gun in that golf bag. Come on. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. No, he's got to think like these guys think. Yes. You got to do it. Yep. Strangle that cat. No. Strangle that cat. Stop. That's what I say. Oh. Is Manhunter a good movie? Hold on. Let me put some synth under this while you think. <laughs> I think it's a good movie. Um, you liked it. You liked it, didn't you? You son of a bitch. Oh, my gosh. Staring yeah. into a, a rain-slicked window. Yeah. Uh is William Peterson a good actor? <laughs> I think he's a good actor. I mean, maybe he was chopping at the bit a little bit in this film. Or like, in the garden of Eden, honey. I know. Apparently that was uh, motivated by um, a killer or like a rapist, some criminal that uh, man or somebody read about that was obsessed with this woman and Okay, I don't want to say it's a criminal. It might be somebody on the production staff. Uh-oh. Anyway, somebody that man knew was obsessed with this woman, and he considered Inagata DeVita to be their song. First big red flag. Yeah. That's our song, honey. Yeah. Me and my high school girlfriend, our song was Pearl Jam's Black. Here's your red flag. <laughs> but it's a black flag in this case. And anyway, that's why that is conspicuously used at the end. Okay. There's one thing that... Francis Dollarhide likes. Yeah. And that is big shots of Mars on his wall. Right. Here's something else that he likes. Iron Butterfly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a serial killer. Maybe it reminds him of the Red Dragon. And uh, crappy shirts. (laughs) Just crappy. uh, I'm I'm assuming it's not silk. It's the 80s. Rayon shirts. Right. Yeah. Ugly, ugly shirts. Yeah. At the big and tall store. But he, his house, I mean, he had to be making some decent amount of money to have the house that he had, right? Sure. I mean, like, it was not a small house, and it had a big yard. Right. Like, those are the it's families. It's in the rural part that, of Chicago. Yeah, right. Or, 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 sorry, St. Louis. Right. Yeah. Like, the families that he, um, you know, pinpointed to... Uh, attack and everything they all had big backyards and they said something about how he might like being out in the moonlight because he's an naked. animal yeah i think lector said that is, is that what lector said okay yeah. and that blood sometimes looks black underneath the moonlight yeah, have you seen blood under under the moonlight it's very black <laughs> you're an animal wolverine oh my god we haven't even got to that part yet um yeah i was thinking about this as we were watching this movie uh, maybe my problem is Closer than I'd like to admit to being a serial killer. <laughs> because Whoa. I was like, he, he climbs up the, the rope of the tire swing and he cuts the branch off the tree. This would all be drones now. 
every yeah. this movie is one of those movies that sadly falls it, it's a period piece now because it's like mm-hmm. somebody call Will Graham on the phone in his car that's the police extender or whatever you know right. and it's like and he had to climb up and this these families he he profiled his families cuz he developed their high 8 film or something their super 8 film <laughs> for their well, own movies their videos it would all be yeah. cell phone he'd have to work at T-Mobile now you know what i mean right. like he's yeah and so you could just like a serial killer could really do a lot of reconnaissance work with with drones. You just get a drone with a HD camera. Yeah. You've got the recon. Uh-huh. You got your jerk off material. You got everything right. you want. Mm-hmm. Honey, what, is that a UPS drone hanging over the pool? Right. Just loitering, or is that a serial killer? <laughs> did the okay? So anyway, I think you figured out that I don't I don't like this as much as I thought I did. No. I saw I've seen this a bunch of times, and it, but it's the first time I've seen it in a while, and I was like. This is doesn't age well. This is 100%. This is pure man. Sure. It's all style. And it's not like I don't think there's no substance at all. But a lot of it is not there. And you go, well, it's a two hour movie. It's not a um, three season, you know, TV show on NBC. Right. I'm like, there's all elements that we know of because we've seen the TV show or we've seen Ray Fiennes, you know, eat a painting or something like right. that. Right. That they just left out and they just let you assume. He's called the Tooth Fury. Why? I guess because he, he bites, bites people. people. But yeah. we've got one scene with a plaster cast of the teeth. Yep. That, and then another scene later on where he you know, puts the teeth in or whatever. Yep. When he's going to you know, scare, scare Freddie Lowndes. Yep. And then he bites the toilet paper that he sent the note to Lecter, Lecter on. on. Yeah. How did he get the note to Lecter? I don't know. And it's on toilet paper? Yeah, I don't know. Which seems like really delicate. Well, I can't trace it. Yeah. Like well, you can. It's Charmin, but <laughs> But otherwise like bites, that's it. Um they had toyed they actually did shoot um him uh, a tattoo on his chest, a oh, dragon really? tattoo. Okay. And later on they were like, that's nah, silly. And so they actually reshot a couple scenes uh and then just cut around other scenes to to not see the the tattoo, tattoo. on Dollarhide. Um, okay. Yeah, they just cut a lot of that out. And I'm like, weird. you don't need to, a modern movie would just beat that into us. Yeah. I don't want that, but it has to be there, period. It has to be there a little bit. Well, one would think. Yeah. I mean, he's obsessed with this painting he, that he's like becoming the red dragon. Right. And we don't. And that's all part of the story. That's in yeah. the book. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but we don't really see that as much in this particular film. No, I, I want to like. see a character, you know, ferociously, sumptuously eating a rare painting. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Well, let's 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 take it for a walk a little bit here. Okay. Uh, of course, Dennis Farina is in it. Dennis Farina, uh, former cop, former Chicago cop turned actor. Okay, I didn't who, of know. Of course, that. was in a lot of crime movies. I think probably speaking of man, he was in uh, Thief. You know, it was probably his debut. I think, and was in a lot of uh, uh, man stuff. Uh, he's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't really say he's fine. He's good. He's good. He's fine. Yeah. I just think, you know, at this point for me, and it's such a, we watched the whole show. I don't know if we ever talked about it on this show, but we watched we all did. of Hannibal. Yeah. And for a silly and just, he, he makes a man into a violin. You know? I it's just know. Like, for I as know. out there as the show is, I just, a lot of, I think about that now a lot when I think about things uh, adapted from Harris's work. Yeah, no. You know, Uh, for me, Lawrence Fishburne is Jack Crawford. Yeah, I know. Not even Scott Glenn. Poor Scott Glenn. Yeah. Love Scott Glenn. Mm -hmm. But I just think of Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. And um, whatever 
dippity dop <laughs> whatever the guy who's the, the guy who played Will TV Graham? show yeah who is clearly kind of doing a William Peterson but he's taking it all the way whereas William Peterson's yeah. like emotional range stops at that window pane of glass <laughs> uh we I should wow. really look up this guy's name but you know who it is yeah uh he takes it all the way and I really like that yeah so no, he does I, I don't know that's my opinion that it's you know, it's not, it's a very stylistic adaptation, but po- possibly a little shallow. What's your opinion? Um, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I mean, maybe with the TV show, they had more time to well, yeah, clearly. dive into the characters. Um, do you think that this kind, because this is all about diving into something, you know, yeah, the mind of a killer. Like, do you, it, does it have to be deep or is it just, what was that bad Keanu Reeves one? The Watcher. The watcher. Oh my god. He can, watches. I can people. barely I can barely imagine that. But um uh the guy who played Will Graham on the TV show was Hugh Dancy. So glad you looked that up. Yeah. Instead of t- as- answering my question. I'm um, sorry, what was the question one more time? Yeah, exactly. What's what's the difference? The difference I mean It's not a the TV show wasn't produced by Dino De Laurentiis. Right. Is that the difference? That's part of the difference. Um do you know that like Dino was the one who changed the name from to from Red yeah. Dragon to Manhunter. Yeah, because he didn't want people to think it was a kung fu movie. Yes, which <laughs> is like, you know, Dino's got a point. Actually, I'm kind of I'm kind of with Dino on this one. Yes, <laughs> um, and I guess he had recently produced another movie that had dragon in it, and it didn't do so yeah, well. Yeah, the You're the Dragon. Yeah, uh, Mickey Rourke, which is not a terrible movie. Okay, it's very it's a very mid '80s Mickey Rourke movie. Okay. Um. I think that the TV show like really delved into like the sumptuousness and like of the food of the food and the food that was people and yeah we've got a hook and it was just oh my gosh it was like nauseating how gross Hannibal was and like it was the opening scene of American Psycho done for 36 hours yes you know where it's like oh the drops of it's raspberry sauce it's not blood right and then a knife cuts a raspberry or whatever it's like yeah Yeah. but Um, just like for 36 hours yes exactly (laughs) uh and you kind of felt like you were strapped in for that tv show i feel like strapped in with the muzzle mask yeah okay maybe a little bit checking um how do you think that lector comes off uh, Where does Brian Cox stand in the Hall of Cinematic Lectors? Oh, boy. I think he seems tame compared to, like, Anthony Hopkins. and Well, um, yeah. And even Mads Mikkelsen, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, he's still, don't get me wrong, he's still creepy. And I love how incredibly casual he is in his cell when he's on the phone. Like, at one point, man films him and, like, He's laying down on the bed. He's, he's got, got his, his wool feet up on socks the thing. Yeah, yeah. and they're propped up on the wall. Yeah, he's got his little comfy socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, who is this guy? Yeah. What a creep. He's talking about like uh, killing his power, you know, like uh, God dropped a, a church roof on 34 parishioners the other day. Right. I think how powerful he must have felt then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, hmm. I almost want to like it more out of spite. Because it's one thing to go, Clarice, and like rip a guy's <laughs> face off. But it's another yeah. thing to really get into what we're trying to talk about right now, which is, I, I think that it almost does it, I don't know if it does it better, but it does it more explicitly. And this is against a guy who's ripping people's faces off. Yeah. It gets into it more explicitly about 
what it is to to feel that way, you know, or to cross that line or, or whatever it is. I feel like that was really. And when you think about it, I have not. I've read Sounds of the Lambs. I can't remember if I read Hannibal. I don't think okay. I did. Anyway, I think that's the only one I've read. Okay. So I don't really know how important Lecter is. I don't know if Harris wrote a book and he wrote a backstory for his characters because right. when you come up with a character like Hannibal Lecter, yeah. that's your guy. Yeah. That's the 36 hours of a TV show, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, he's got this book and he's this is a guy who's in the past of this character. Mm-hmm. Like it's a very... He felt like the whole Tooth Fairy thing was strong enough to be what we're really following but in the, it's sort of like lord of the rings let me finish okay it's like lord of the rings sauron is a punk compared to melkor do you know what i mean or morgoth <laughs> or whatever like sure. he's we're it's a big deal we gotta throw this ring in the volcano but like yes. all this is nothing compared to like the wars of the first age and stuff like that like okay. all the big shit has already gone down a long time ago mm-hmm. and we're just living in the kind of the ruins of that and so you know, if you're going to write an epic story, whether it might be stories later, I can see that. But if you're going to write this book, like, why not have he's chasing Hannibal Lecter? But instead, he's right. like, our knight has already won. He's already caged and killed the dragon, you know, right. and so to speak. Right. And now he's got this other thing, but that's the thing that sits and haunts him. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to go back and read Red Dragon now. I bet there's some good scenes where he goes back and he's clearly Starling talking to Lecter. Right. And. Bit, you know, a flirting, the moth getting closer and closer to this flame, you know, to to see what he's going to see in it, but maybe right. being consumed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think uh, they did a good job of... But that's not, you know, his comfy socks doesn't communicate that. No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> but I, I think they did Jonathan a good... Jonathan Demi got the note and was like, okay, all right, we're going to put him in a dungeon <laughs> and there's going to be a guy that jerks off and throws his jizz on you and it's going to be like the worst thing that's ever happened. Mm. That's how we're going to do this one. Right. Instead, it's just... Uh, it's just in a white room. Right. Anyway, yeah. Um, I think they did a good job, though, of showing how Lecter can kind of sink his claws into Will Graham and kind of get to him. Yeah. Um, because, like, Graham goes to see him because he wants to get back into that mindset. That's what he said of, like, the serial killer. Right. Um, and then, William, we're going to need you to run down all these yes, stairs. Or these really ramps. fast. Yeah. And he did that, and he said, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Grissom. I know, right? Running all the time. Said, no, it does Grissom run all the time? Doesn't well, look like it. <laughs> he sometimes. Blew up. He blew up a little, okay? Yeah. Come on. All right. <laughs> he um, Alec Baldwin. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, I think he definitely got the role on CSI because of this movie, Oh, though. yeah, absolutely. CSI exists because, because of this Because of Manhunter, movie. yeah. You know, um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, Silence of the Lambs exists because of this movie. Yes. And I think the connection between... Yeah. Let's, let's stop talking about this. Oh, okay. I think we did it. All right. Silence of the Lambs. It won an Oscar. It's not the, I know. the be-all, end-all of quality, but it just went, okay, hold my beer. You know, hold my whatever they allow Lecter to drink. Yeah. Hold my uh, Chianti. Yeah. And uh, they just did it better. Yeah. It's just better. I, I suppose <laughs> you're right. It's the same movie. It's just better. Yeah. Although the big difference, and I think I said something when we were watching it, was <laughs> the reason that I like, the reason you do this kind of thing, the reason you have a third act twist is that you can get the investigator who understands away from the army of police in flak jackets. Yeah. 
uh, with MP5s, get, separate them. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's like, we know he's there. Dollarhide is there. Somebody's with him. Will, wait. She <laughs> just jumps through. Like, we have an idea. A guy jumping through a window. Yes. Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no. <laughs> like, why? Let the SWAT team do it. Yeah, I know. Um, he's got to be the hero. Yep. Drive without your headlights. Go real fast. Yeah, Crash I know, your car. right? Oh, these cops are hurt. That's a good excuse. <laughs> Whereas in Silence of the Lambs, it's, we got our guy. Let's go get him. And instead, Jodie Foster's like, I don't, do we have the right? I'm going to go talk to some more people. And then one of the guys she talks to is like, oh, shit, this is the this guy. This is the real guy. Yeah, there's yeah. no SWAT team here. No. Sort of like in um, Seven, which yes. we'll probably talk about. Yeah. Uh, where they go, oh, we got this guy. Let's go get him. And they... Bam, they get in there. Where, where is he? Where is he? Oh, no, it's not that guy. It's yes. one of his victims. Yes. Who's just laying on a bed. Yeah. yeah. Then laying there for a year. Does David Fincher owe his career to Pepsi? No, to <laughs> Seven. I Has his entire career been yes. trying to crawl out of uh, the hole, that, that the cage cell that Seven put him in? I kind of think so, because, I mean... Did he do like Aliens 3 or something like that? Alien Cubed. But yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and I, I He did Alien before, actually. Yeah. And, and I think I read something like he thought he was never going to do another movie ever again because the thought of it made him sick. And then So he got we don't have script. to explain the plot of Seven to anybody. I don't think so. No. I don't think we do. Um, Good. It's pretty Check this self-explanatory. Out. Check this out. You're not going to believe this. Okay. There are two cops Mm -hmm. and they don't like each other. What? I know. And they're forced to work together to stop this guy who's murdering people in ways that evoke the idea of the seven deadly sins. Get your library card. Let's do this thing. Right. Another movie that would be completely technology has made this movie worthless. No, you're right. We got to We got to get a guy at the bureau. He's going to give me the library records or whatever. I know. It's just all the internet. I know. It's just the internet now. I know. It doesn't, he wouldn't even need a library card. No. And also, it's so dumb. Well, it's not dumb. They get him because they find out who's been checking out those books. At the library. You need an ID for a library card. Why wouldn't he use a fake ID to get his library card? I know. I guess he didn't think about that. I know. But his name is John Doe? Well, that's not his name. Okay. They they established that his records only go back five years. Like he that's right. created a new persona, but he apparently his new wealthy. persona has his address on it, and he used that card to get a library card. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Kevin Spacey, I knew we'd get you in the end. <laughs> but it's true. Fincher, okay, so you're right. He was already making dark, weird, gross, slimy movies. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, the story goes that he had made Alien 3. It was a disaster. Yep. And he was thinking, I don't know if I'm going to make movies anymore. Like, right. I could just keep making Pepsi commercials and Madonna videos. Right. And retire. Like, that would be fine. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they sent him the script. Now, a character who we haven't talked about on this show, or maybe we have, I don't know, a guy named Michael DeLuca was the president of New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema, of course, the house that Freddie built. Uh, we've talked about that previously <laughs> on the show. Um, famous for making the most 90s movies there ever was. Yeah. If there was a movie with a Freddy or a Blade or just some weird thing that Paramount or whoever wouldn't touch, right. it came out of New, New Line Cinema. So a lot of good movies, a lot of bad movies too. Mm-hmm. And Michael DeLuca uh, was the um, president of programming or just the pr- head, studio head at New, New Line. Mm-hmm. He's also a screenwriter and he wrote the Voyager episode, 
threshold. No! <laughs> Wrong show! Fun fact, though. But anyway, uh, a lot of, you know, so d- this sh- script was making its way around. Sure. And in the script, they... Do we spoil seven? <laughs> Let's spoil seven. Who cares? Well, it's, it's, it, wait, it came out in like what? 95? 1995. I think we can spoil we'll it. We'll spoil it. So... Yeah. Uh, there was a version of the script that had a head in the box. Yep. There was a version of the script that didn't have a head in the box. Yep. And that's the one that they wanted to go with. And right. Michael DeLuca as well. Okay. Genius Michael DeLuca who came up with Tom Paris ripping his own tongue out. Oh my God. They sent this script around and they sent the... This, is, this shows you how uh, together... Careful they were? Uh, well, yeah. How much they have their shit together at New Line. Mm-hmm. They sent the wrong script to yeah. Fincher and Fincher mm-hmm. read the script and was like, this is good. I want to make this. Right. And he got in touch with them and they're like, oh, no, no that's, that's the wrong script. No, we're the not doing that. The head in the box that. one. Nope. We're not nope, doing that. We're not doing that. And he's like, well, I don't want to do it then. Yeah. And Michael DeLuca's like, okay, look, if you come on as a producer and you do all the legwork and push it through and it's kind of basically your fault, right? Uh, you can do that version. Right. And then it was greenlit. Although they would continue to try to argue against that, but Fincher and also star Brad Pitt were on the side of, no, we want to do it this way. Yeah. And I think I read that one of the reasons that Pitt was on board, and it's just a cool idea, like a weird cool idea, Mm -hmm. um, is that also he was in Legends of the Fall, and I guess they had changed the ending to that. Um, oh yeah in a way like they made it more commercial or something, something i can't like remember that. how it ends but i know julia Armand shoots herself but whatever spoilers for legends of the fall 25 year old movie um <laughs> so yeah they wanted to keep it that way and so that's kind of how that all got started mm-hmm. i'm kind of glad they kept it that way even though it's incredibly disturbing this and... guy's a collector yeah <laughs> um and i'd seen this movie a long time ago and i remembered the last scene that I didn't remember whose head was in the box. I just knew that <laughs> it was somebody. Head would be in the box. They open it up. Shaft. No. <laughs> uh, this one is very much more, insofar as Manhunter is sort of, you know, the er daddy responsible for a lot of this. Yeah. Seven is responsible for every crappy <laughs> serial killer movie that came out. Over the next 10 years. Right. The aforementioned Kiss the Girls. Yes. The Bone Collector. Mm-hmm. You know, just, um, man, I can't even, um, f- Fallen's okay. That's okay. not a terrible movie. All right. Uh, maybe even like the remake of Psycho. Gus Van Zandt thinking sure. he can remake Psycho. Sure. Oh, Psycho. Yeah. Psycho's always an anomaly, though. Yeah. I mean, sure, it inspired, you know, more horror and things like that. But, yeah. But, like, I don't think anybody took psycho and went oh i gotta have more serial killers <laughs> no i don't think so um yeah this was i mean this is really dark and gritty um and like in this particular new york it's raining all well, the time shot in la the whole thing shot in la yeah which is probably you know made it real cheap mm-hmm. um and of course obviously the last scene is shot <laughs> in california yeah but i think I it's la doubling for new york they don't actually ever say where it's set i don't think but no. when you go to the to the patrolman and they're like yeah i was out on down in the bowery and i was looking for the thing with the thing right. it's like okay we're in new york here yeah um yeah and so it's based on uh, andrew kevin walker uh who wrote this <sighs> He wrote some other stuff that's okay. Yeah. And he was a very famous like script 
doctor. He's the guy that you brought in okay. to make your script cool in 90s. Sure. Um, he's not credited on uh, Fight Club, but he... Punched it up? Yeah, he wrote like half of Fight Club. Okay. Um, yeah, so anyway, but you know, he did this. It was based a lot on his own personal experiences living in New York, and he hated it. I think it. I read that, yeah. yeah. Like it was, he just sucked. He hated living there. And he put a lot of his experiences like directly into the script. And so this is a fictional city. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is not. And not a real place. New York was not like this in the 90s. Maybe it was in the 70s. This isn't a period piece, but it could have been. Well, like you look at John Doe's apartment and man, that place is spacious. There's a st- old story. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about how there isn't any adequate lighting. Like wouldn't a serial killer need to say. Oh, I meant to cut my fingerprints off, but I slashed my tendon. <laughs> Don't you need to see something? Yeah, you're that like too. Writing tiny little words in a book. I know. <laughs> no, you're like it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ninety-nine year leases made this movie possible. Every yeah. single domicile they go into is gigantic, yes. and it's like New York, huh? Right. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the the paralyzed tenant with no tongue uh, is living in a four bedroom, three bath. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in the middle of uh, Astoria or Queens or whatever. Yeah, right. There's, yeah, there's no way. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> there's this uh, story that, I don't know, everybody says it, repeats it. I don't know if that means it's apocryphal or not. But on the movie Mississippi Burning, uh, the director Alan Taylor, I believe, um, wanted to, it's a period piece, right? It's about civil rights in the right. 60s in, in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. He wanted the whole thing to have this dingy, dirty look sure and so he got the set uh dressers to paint everything with like this color like this sort of resin type stuff to like mute all the colors and give sure. everything like this gross shellacked kind of grimy look mm-hmm. and i've searched i've researched on this subject and i've never found anything so that's why i say it's apocryphal apocryphal but that substance was called omd which is short for old man's dick what's yeah, so now that's all set up. Oh, great. This whole movie looks like it's covered in old man's dick. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, and the reason that is true is because uh, they did a um, process uh, when they were uh, doing the um, uh, processing the film uh, called a bleach bypass, which is I think I read you that. usually treat the film to remove the silver right. uh, involved in the developing process, mm-hmm. and they skip that. And I'm sure Fincher's done this. You can just do this. It's all digital now. Right. But he did this on other films as well to give it that, like, dingy Grimy. look. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you give it to the um, the editors or whatever, and they're like, are you sure this is... I can't see a thing. This is the right. darkest film I've ever seen. So, yeah. I mean, all intentional. Huge apartments. Can't explain. <laughs> Can't explain. Huge apartments with a uh, subway going through every oh, well, yeah. couple of minutes. That's why that's yeah. that was affordable. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It, for me, this, you know, watched Mindhunter was like, eh, or Mindhunter. Hold on. Manhunter? Manhunter. First of all, where are the Martians? Second of all, uh, not as good as I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, watched Seven and went, this is better than I. I didn't deserve this movie when I was super excited about it as a college student in the 90s. <laughs> the what, what's in the box? And oh, oh, God. Yeah. That was my you talking to me. Yeah. Right? Imagine mm-hmm. that you're an actor, a young actor in the 1970s, right? Taxi driver, De Niro's your hero. Right. You, 
you're talking to me. You're talking to me. Everybody's doing right. it in front of the mirror. You know, it's like going to audition. You talking to me? Got to get that Travis Bickle swagger. Right. We were all standing in front of our mirrors, going, "Oh God, oh, no. you tell no, you tell me what's in the box." Oh. Yeah, real serious, real oh serious about this film. Yeah, and I liked it for the reason that a twenty-something would like it, you know, because it's like, oh, it's just cutting people's heads off, it's cutting their dicks off, right. you know. But yeah. like, I watch it now and I go, "It's perfect. This thing is airtight." Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot. I get it. The subject matter. Outre for sure. Right. If you don't want to see a movie where people are chopping things off, or even I, a movie I that's just like, ugh, it's just it's depressing. The, yeah, the the ennui of it, you know, and the, yeah, the depressing. Look at all the passion on that wall. Like your main character is like, gonna put a gun in his mouth. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. He just he hates the city. He hates the people that he's protecting. You know, yeah. he and there's that one philosophical scene where they're finally kind of clicking, and he's talking about like. Yeah, I get it. And he sa- he sounds like he's commiserating, but he's still insulting humanity. He's like, it's easier to beat a child than to raise it. Yeah. That, first of all, you don't believe that. And second of all, you're you're being insulting and belittling by assigning those values to like the general, the strawberry ice cream flavored man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And but it's all it it just it works. You know, it, it, it works. It's. It's airtight mm-hmm. uh, as far as the scripting goes, as far as what leads to what. The acting um, is pretty good. The dialogue is just to the point of overwrought, but still getting it done. Mm-hmm. That whole thing about like when you've got Mills who, we, I don't think we ever get a chance to find out if he's dumb or he's just naive. doesn't pay attention to detail. Naive, exactly. Yeah. You can't afford to be this naive. Mm-hmm. He trout in my impression now um but uh that, the part where he is clearly you know overmatched in this uh debate with john doe about like you know the morality of his actions or whatever and he finally right. just loses it and yells at him about how you know y- you know you're no messiah you're a movie of the week you're a t-shirt at best right that's like that's a career line yeah. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. andrew kevin walker definitely high-fived himself after writing right right um, Do I take over? Because I'll just go on forever. <laughs> well, I think that that conversation that they have in the car. Yes. And and Morgan so, Freeman is y- super quiet. Right. Right. Because th- this is the climax of yes. this film. Mm-hmm. And we stop to have a 10 minute scene. Yes. Where we just talk about. So what did we learn so far? I know. <laughs> That's ballsy. And. Now and, it does end with a head in a box. Yeah, I know. But that's still that's ballsy. Yeah. Um. And so, the fact that they, uh, they, this movie knows its characters, mm-hmm. and those characters always inter- uh, interface with what's going on as their characters. Nobody acts out of character, and the characters continue to forward the scene in the idiom of their character. Yeah. So, like you're pointing out in the car, Brad Pitt just wants to do a touchdown dance because they got this guy. Yeah. You know, and he also maybe he wants to understand a little bit. And Morgan Freeman is still, he's, you know, reserved because his character is reserved, but he's also still, he's the detective and he's trying to figure this out still. What is going on with this guy? Why is he doing this? Where are we going? Yes. Because why do you want us to go out here? And also, I I could have been you. Another couple of years and I might have been you, uh, John Doe. You know what I mean? Like, right. clearly, you and I share the same view of humanity, yet you're a murderer and I'm a cop and I want to understand what the difference between us is. Right. Some good stuff. Yeah. And 
I think also like John Doe is negging Brad Pitt. Negging? <laughs> yeah. And like I don't like your hair. <laughs> and he he's like Oh, what Detective Mills wouldn't do in a windowless room to me, you know? And Mills is like, I would never do that. And he's like, you don't know that. And Which is all foreshadowing. I know. To what happens. What is going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's better foreshadowing than, let me talk about my wife now that she's not on, on screen. Yeah. It's like, all right, movie, thanks no for kidding. trying to build us up and remember that Gwyneth Paltrow exists. Right. But I think... Th- him letting flashes of his anger, because, I mean, he's been a sort of reactionary character the entire film but letting allowing that to sort of build up and we'll see it more instead of every 15 minutes we're seeing it every five minutes every five seconds Mm -hmm. makes us believe what the ending more yeah i think so and um for him to say you know i would never do that i think that he believes that but it he made it personal john doe made it personal and he pushed Mills I mean, to the breaking he, point. He put three film uh, frames of Gwyneth Paltrow in the last scene. <sighs> yeah, I know. That's like the one thing where the movie kind of falls down for me. Well, I just feel it's like... It's on the nose. It, it it's is on, on the her, nose. her pert little nose. But it's also headshot. like they don't do that at any other time in the movie. And I okay. feel like if it's you're going to do it... the exception that proves the rule. If you're going to do it, you need to do it at least one other time, I yeah. feel like. Uh, original rejected idea for the film, uh, for the end, uh, Somerset kills John Doe. I heard about that. Um, would be sacrificing himself. I mean, he's at the end of his career. Right. So. But this entire film, this film is about Somerset. It is. I know Brad Pitt Absolutely. has brought the money, but it's about him. Mm-hmm. We're with him at the beginning. Yep. Uh, we're with him at the end. Mm-hmm. And... It's about his journey, and it's not, he is not shown, he is not somebody until the end of that film, and maybe not even then, who would make that sacrifice. Yeah. He's not a Christ figure. There is no God in this movie. No. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? There is no Jesus in this movie. Mm -hmm. And so I understand that it would continue the, it wouldn't be bad, it wouldn't be terrible. Um, It would continue the sort of religious themes of it. Right. But it isn't. He is there to see this, to see one more tragedy happen. Yes. But that's the tragedy that makes him go, I'll be around. Right. (laughs) Okay, I got to (laughs) stop. This guy's a collector. Right. Collects penguins. (laughs) Uh, Come on, that's dumb. Um, Anything else to say about anything forever? Um, I mean, I think Seven is a, it's an excellent film. It's, it's, brutal it gave us um, mind hunters how do you think it compares to mind hunters or mind hunter um i i think um a lot of old man old man's dick and yeah i know <laughs> um wow it's kind of hard to because to compare the two of them because i feel like mind hunters kind of subdued in a way um yeah compared to to seven yeah, which is, is kind of in your face yeah it's a heightened reality yeah seven um, but I mean, like, clearly, and I, this is why I said this at the beginning of the segment, David Fincher is incredibly successful. You mm-hmm. know, he is very successful. But he could make Gillian Flynn books into movies for the rest of his life. Right. And instead, here he is producing a TV show on the internet mm-hmm. uh, about serial killers. Like, this is yeah. his, C- he's William Peterson right. going to CSI. No, you're right. Um I, I think it's kind of... He's thinner than... Okay. <laughs> Stop. I wouldn't want to say that. I think they're kind of 
romanticizing serial killers in a way. Um, in Mindhunter? Yeah, in Mindhunter. Really? Yeah, because I, I feel like the main guy in that, I can't remember his name. Um, Cole. Cole? Or something like that. Um, I, I feel like he goes in a little bit too deep he goes into their their minds and um i think it changes him like his girlfriend feels like it's changed him and i feel like so this is oh finally we're back on theme <laughs> somebody being changed yeah <laughs> by one. because in seven nobody's changed in fact somebody's changed for the better you know somerset is who by the way named after Somerset Mom, the author of, of Human Bondage. Bondage, not what you're thinking, okay? <laughs> Marquis de Chardet, which is, that's another high five yourself. High five yourself, buddy. I know. That's such a 90s joke. I know. You couldn't even get that now. I know. Because uh, Somerset's not changed by it, you know? Somehow he is. He's changed by, he's he's roused from apathy due to all this. Yeah. Um, he had well. He well, maybe we're catching him after he has been changed. This is like an after the fall situation. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to leave. He throws a switchblade into a dartboard. Yep. He has to sleep with the metronome. Yeah, and he goes back the other way. He becomes energized to try and make a difference mm-hmm. by the end of it. So, yeah, he makes a choice to stay on until the case is solved. Mindhunter, it's not complete. So I guess we'll have to see where it goes. Yeah. I think that it is more of a uh, historical drama. Yes, I agree with that. More of an acting showcase. <laughs> yeah. It's very, let's bring a bunch of like character actors in to play, play serial, serial killers, killers. who yeah. have all been great at this point. Yeah. I can't remember that guy's Cameron something or is it, was that the uh, the guy who plays uh, the Ed, Ed Kemper? Ed Kemper. Okay. I think his first name is Cameron. Um, is fantastic yeah he <laughs> he's is. great he's and he's a guy creepy. that i'm sh- you have seen him in other stuff before but you sure. remember him from this yeah um so we'll have to see where it goes it's um holden is the character's name oh that's right yeah yeah cole is we're gonna get to that yeah uh so i don't yeah i don't know what else to say about it it's fine it's more than fine it's 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 good it's it's like it's... watching because we're not going to talk about zodiac but it, this is as close as we're going to get to talking about zodiac i think it's intriguing i think you know it's interesting to see these two cops who sometimes like each other, sometimes don't. They don't get along? I know. Let me write this down. Um, uh, see them kind of develop a, a language for what we come to know as being serial killers and also like um, categorizing that and cataloging it and how do we catch new killers and that sort of thing how do we put those cases together yeah. by looking and profiling these other guys who we've already caught how far away from strangling a cat is holden oh boy i think he's far from it but at the same time i think he has definitely lost a lot of his naivete and i think he's he, an odd duck to begin with though he is a little odd um and maybe you have maybe this is part of the thing maybe he's trying to figure out I'm not saying he's going to be a serial killer. I don't think he'd do that. But, no. But maybe you have to start. Sure. We get, you know, you have somebody who is abused all their life. They become abusive or become a murderer or something. And you have somebody who's abused all their life and they become Grandma Moses or something like that. You know, they right. become like a really great person. Maybe you have to have something kind of wrong to begin with. And so he's yeah. looking for this. You know, he's looking for these signs in people. But there's, there's something wrong with him. You know, he like makes a lot of questionable decisions. Um 
on his job, mm-hmm. um, in his relationships. He's kind of unreachable. You know, he has this. And I like the fact that he's young. You know, he's yeah. he has the the arrogance of youth in that he's just going to walk into these rooms and he's going to talk to these guys and he's going to learn all the things. And he doesn't. It isn't just like he was he was so arrogant that the madness infected him. It also it's, it's his life when he breaks down at the beginning of or at the end of season one. It's yeah. partially because Ed Kemper scared the piss out of him. Yeah. But it's also because his career is falling apart because his, his girlfriend has left him yeah. and he's put all he's compartmentalized all this stuff and he's not dealing with it in a psychologically healthy way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of experiencing um, in a small way uh, in a microcosm of like what these murderers have gone through in their lives to become who they are. So Right. Um, so I'll say about that. I, I think it's, he, I think he gets in a little bit over his head when he goes to talk to Kemper by himself. Um, and I think there's, there's a sense with him that like, Oh, we almost had him or, Oh, you know, and like when he gets in trouble for like, they, they saw this one guy and he like egged him on. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of like well, unprofessional. Right. Was a mistake. Hiding it was, was the administrative yes, mistake. Exactly. So um that was kind of shady dealings and yeah. um and incorrect behavior that I mean I'm not sure who he thought he was gonna get away with it with, but um He's arrogant. Yeah. He is. It. You're right. But then again, the guy who sawed his mother's head off, like, he didn't think about how he was going to get get away with that either. No, you're right. So, until he did. Right. Uh, true Detective? Yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about hard, True Detective. Hard slam cut into True Detective. Yeah. I think it's telling that True Detective is set in the 90s. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, we want to do, Nick Pizziotti wants to do a uh, uh, serial killer thing. Right. It's going to have to be set in the 90s. That's what serial killer stuff is. Well, gotta have paisley ties in this mother. <laughs> we we got it, but we also, you know, we we don't want it to be um, super easy to solve with like the internet and cell phones and that sort of thing. And like you like to point out, we also have to do a thing of we got the wrong guy type thing. Yeah. So we have to like exactly. re- we have to go back to it. Yes. So in a way, they take the element of. Manhunter or Red Dragon in that there is something that we have already done, but we have to keep going over it in order to get the new answer. Mm -hmm. And it's baked into the narrative in this. Yes. And for me, having two of our finest actors, Mm -hmm. Woody Harrelson, stealth, really good actor. I think so, too. Um, He does a lot of just kind of yelling and then going, I mean, you can't see it (laughs) on the podcast, but like doing that kind of weird face. But uh, yeah, secretly a really good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, having two guys that can play eh, early 30s and then play late 40s with makeup. Yep. Other way around. Right. Um, then let's do this, you know, flashback, flash forward type thing, revisiting. And to me, like, that's, there's a lot of good things in True Detective. There's some bad things in True Detective. But the real takeaway, I think, is telling the story like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest success of it. Yeah. Because nobody's ever done anything really like that before. Well, they have, but nobody's... It's a great example of doing something like that. Yeah. And then using the framing device of them being interviewed for this case. Yes. Then, at one point, as we move into like the sort of last chapter, 
you know, now we're caught up and we sort of leave that behind Mm -hmm. is both good and bad. I like the way that it feels. It's not a flashback now. It feels more vital. It feels more real because we're not telling a story. This is what's happening to us. Right. But as part of me, the structuralist part of me thinks that they should have found a way to make it all a retelling. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a usual suspects type thing. Sure. You know, where we get the final context at the end. Yeah. What do you think of True Detective? So we've talked about this before on the show. I had assumed that you'd seen it because we, I think, had checked it out and didn't move forward with it. And then I ended up watching it and you didn't. Mm-hmm. And so we went back and watched it before we got to this show. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? I really liked it. Um, I mean, I think it has... Until season two. Oh, gosh. That's going to blow you away. I know. Uh, I think it had a lot of... Uh, similar tropes to what we've talked about so far um the detective that goes in too deep and tries to get into the killer's head the killer's mindset um there i mean like seven does this too there's something that is just too horrific for even audiences to see that they have you the camera looks away while the characters are still observing? Yeah, but what is this a Bloomhouse movie? Like yeah, I, I like when movies do that. I know. What you would imagine is way worse than whatever they could yeah, come up with. That's true. Rick Baker. Um. So I don't know, and I I thought uh, McConaughey and Harrelson did a really great job. Um, Michelle Monaghan as well did a good job. Um, with what she was given. She this was not good... with what she was given. Well, this yeah. is not a story. Apparently that has room for women. No, you're right. And actually, except I as bodies, think, I think most of these stories there's not really a place for. What's up with that? I mean, we didn't know. decide to watch Copycat or Murder by Numbers uh, or, for this or we, Monster. Which Monster we is she is the killer. I know <laughs> she's not like trying to track down the killer. I know, I know. Yeah, so. we were talking about Science of the Lambs. But. Yeah, I know. Um. It like you said it before. It's kind of a sausage fest. Like, um, I think well, you're seeing how the sausage is made. Yeah, or not. We we pull away, right? And then the characters see it, but we don't. Right. Well, and I think the majority of serial killers are male. Um, I'm not sure why the majority of people tracking them down are also male. Because there's more male cops and I guess female cops. I guess. Um, but if movies are about there is no fr- fr- Fredonia. Crap, I'm a bad Eon Flex fan. There is no Eon Flex world, and yet Eon Flex jumping off a blimp or something and shooting right. people. <laughs> like, that's, that is extraordinary. Therefore, here's a movie right. where a man stops bullets in midair and is talking about spoons. Like, that's <laughs> not real. Right. So why not have a lady that's tracking down serial killers? Yeah, I don't know why. It just seems like it's not doing that. Get, get your get your beers out. It's bro time. Yeah, it's, that's one thing I don't really like about the serial killer genre is that it's just going to be dude time. Broskies. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you and like them. I I do like. Are em. you? You can. You're safe. You're safe with me. Do you like them because of institutionalized sexism? You can tell me the truth. No, I don't like them because of that. Um, Have you seen the Japanese Sherlock show? I have not. It is a female Sherlock and a female Watson. She's like Sherlock really? and Watsu or something like that. Ooh. And they're solving crimes. That sounds intriguing. It's it's just an adaptation of the BBC show. Well, I'd watch that. 
Boy, I've created a monster. <laughs> Let's get back to True Detective. Yes. I thought it was too long. I, I don't yeah. think they made eight. I don't think, I mean, eight they did. Eight episodes. But yeah. But I don't think they had enough for eight. You think they should have made it like a tight six or something like that? There are parts, and it, uh, it's always entertaining. Mm-hmm. You're always seeing, uh, well, you're always seeing good performances. You're always seeing pretty good writing. Mm-hmm. But there are parts where it just gets lost up its Tuttle's doing this and we're we're doing that and right. we got to do this and let me make a beer can sculpture and it's like we get it Russ Cole is both effed up and overplaying you know he's playing that he's effed up in right. order to throw the detectives off the scent which is part of that great context that you get once you see later on you know oh he's been working on this the entire time yeah and the cops are wary of him they think that he might be doing he is a drunk murders. but he is playing a drunk yeah exactly <laughs> but there's a lot of time spent on that there's mm-hmm. a lot of driving in the car there's a lot there's the subplots with you know we get it like woody's philandering yeah you can do that without introducing characters that are unimportant like, like the no T-Mobile offense girl? to T-Mobile Girl or to Court Reporter Girl, but neither of them are necessary in any way. And I don't want to take women out of this show. Right. But you could just know that Woody's seeing somebody, we see it from Maggie's point of view. Yeah. And then Maggie leaves and she says, one of your whores called me or whatever. Right. We've, we've cut hour an hour out of the show. Right. You know, um, same thing with T-Mobile Girl. It's just not yeah. really, yeah. Well, and they had to show... Russ with um, the one lady he was dating for a while too. Yeah, um, I can't remember that actress's name, but she was uh, she's in a lot of stuff. Is she? Remember the weird thing in Mad Men where Don was like, "I got this waitress." Yes. But I yeah, that was her. Oh okay. Yeah. All right. So she's in stuff. Yeah, she must have been really excited when she got a call from HBO and she's yeah. like, "I'm gonna what?" I know, right? Sit on a couch with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Is he going to sell me a Lincoln? Or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we get it. Rust is, he's kind of, I mean, socially inept. Like and he is not. Aluminum ash. He's, he's not a great person necessarily. Right. But, but he's the guy that we need. Right. He's obsessed with this case. He can figure it out. He can figure it out. Because of his damage. I know. He's the guy. Well, look, we've found another element of this, which is he's he can catch them because he is damaged. Yeah, he's got to watch the horrible VHS tapes and he's right. got to read all the accounts and he's got to talk to people. But there's some something about him is that he's the same kind of crazy, you know what I mean? Or he's got the same kind of hurt that he can identify and empathize with these guys. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes him a really great um, detective. And the well, you, well, you just say that so matter of fact, but that's kind of what this whole thing, yeah, sort of turns on. Yeah, it's you know, Will Graham became that way in Manhunter, mm-hmm. <laughs> in Hannibal. <laughs> he was just always weird and messed up. Right. Although they go all the way with it and they say that he is, you know, got some kind of spectrum disorder type thing. And that right. it's more of a just a sort of state of mind for him. Mm-hmm. This is my design, you know, also him. Right. Yeah. Weird. Well, they have that in this, too. So uh, Cole, when they remember to do this, he's got like this synesthesiac thing that happens, you know, where he sees sounds and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just they drop it in. Yeah. 
I kind of just so they can have him see a weird hallucination in the very last episode. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think was going on there? The first time I watched it, I thought like, wait a minute, does this did this guy is he a magician or something? Right. The guy, the Cary Grant guy. Right. I know. Or is that a hallucination? Or yeah. What is that? I don't know. That's really weird. Because they say at one time with at the dinner with the first girl, who isn't anybody that I know, right? uh, That he's has synesthesia, which I always assumed was like acid flashbacks. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like he took a lot of drugs when he was like, anybody who hasn't seen this show, I'm sorry, we're just ruining we're the ruining entire it. thing. Yeah. But it's also like, what are they talking about? Yeah. Back when he was rolling with the biker gang. Right. <laughs> uh, he, you know, was basically undercover. So he was doing a lot of drugs and he's just living that lifestyle. And so sometimes he'll be driving his red pickup and he'll see like Star Trek lines, <laughs> you know, following the car and he has to just kind of grip the steering wheel real tight and just right. hope that he gets home okay. Right. And I always got the idea that that was like, you know, acid flashbacks or something like that. But there are people who just naturally have uh, synesthesia. Mm-hmm. And there's also people who get hit in the head and have things. Yeah. There's also people who just have delusions. Yeah. And the, it seems like the show, I don't know, th- that seems like the kind of thing the show would really want to dig into, like knowing the way this show digs into stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like they forget sometimes that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, you One think time that... he looks up and he sees the birds and yeah. they're flying and then they turn into the symbol. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, and then he's like, the detectives are like, so, I mean, do you see like hallucinations all the time? And he's like, I get a good idea of like what's real, what's not. You know, I just keep moving. <laughs> all right. We're not going to mention it. I'm a cop that sees stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. Where's my gun? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wrapping it up, True Detective. Um, I how true is it? True? It's all the way true. I I don't know. I think it's or not it's, totally true. It's not totally true. Oh, okay. Um, there seems to be a thing though, um, with serial killer movies and TV shows, of not bringing the guy in. Like we're <laughs> gonna kill him here. Yeah. Or there's gonna be thank a God. Fight. Will Graham brought. Hannibal Lecter in, right? Yeah, I know, right? Except for the guy that gets his face ripped off. Yeah. Uh, because we're going to catch other people by studying this guy. Yeah. There's nothing, there's a mind to hunt now. Right. Yeah. But you're right, though. It's like, I got him. Blam. Yeah. And I feel like Mindhunter, Manhunter, Flip, whatever, Will, <laughs> Will Graham, they want to have their cake and eat it too because there's this big speech from him about how, like, uh, things are getting bad in the case and he's fighting with Jack Crawford and yep. he's saying like, I feel really bad. I empathize with the little boy who yes. was abused, you know, yes. and became like the red dragon man, the tooth fairy. Yeah. At the same time, I want to shoot the tooth fairy in the face, Yeah. but I can empathize with the boy. Yeah. If you can't handle that Jack, then you don't get it. Right. All I right. Know. But you now if you'll excuse me, I have one note to jump. To. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and some wings to appear for the tooth fairy. Yeah. They uh, apparently time constraints, and I don't know what that means. Sounds like budget to me, but yeah. uh, meant that they were doing that with a skeleton crew. I guess they shot that either last or, I don't know, maybe the crew was on vacation or doing something else. And so they had to do all kinds of like cheats to get that right. And that's a weird scene in general because man uses different film speeds. Um, 
it's not really like a like sometimes it's 24 frames a second sometimes it's like 96 frames a second so uh-huh. it's like different speeds things are happening i feel like there's like missing frames there's parts where like he'll shoot a guy and the guy sort of like appears somewhere else and i don't know if those are stylistic choices or those are like maybe the effects didn't look that good i know that they didn't have any team to do bullet impacts like squib stuff so a man just had to like throw baby food jars like at the set for where the bullets were impacting yeah and then so for the wings you know when he uh noonan dies uh dollar hide dies Mm -hmm. They did the, you know, just had blood come out, but it took so long to shoot that the corn syrup dried and Tom Noonan was stuck to the floor. They had to like pry him off the floor. So that's pretty crazy. It was a real, it was a real bro-y set, I think. Yeah, I think so. Noonan's talked about how he did that thing where it's like, I don't want anybody to see me and I'll be in a set. I'll eat separately from the cast and crew. Oh my gosh. The first time that he and Peterson met was when they filmed that scene. And he was like, I was doing push-ups in between takes, and I was getting all pumped oh, up and like, oh, I'm a serial killer. So, wow, a lot of testosterone, yep. a lot of cocaine. <laughs> it's a hell of a movie-making drug. <laughs> what did we learn on the show tonight, Mika? Um, I think we learned that serial killers bring out the testosterone and the broiness of Hollywood. That was not where we thought we were going to land, but no. I think that's kind of where we landed. Yeah. Okay, what would a female serial killer look like? Arsenic and old lace. Speaking of Cary Grant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or monster. If you want to oh, well. give that a go. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, was it, so what you mentioned the, the, was it the Countess of, um, uh, Lady Bathory. Lady Bathory. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, doesn't she like supposedly bathe in the blood of virgins yeah. or something well, like that? Yeah, well, she's a lady, so she has to serial kill for purposes of vanity. Right, of course. <laughs> yeah. Ah, good times. Great times. Yeah. And the oldies are all right. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Um, that was a interesting discussion. And I don't know if we accomplished anything, but it was fun to talk about. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that we always want to do on the show. So if you have any other ideas, listeners, for things that you want us to cover and tropes that you want us to hit, uh, we're all ears. You can contact us on social media at Facebook and at Twitter. And, uh, you know, just drop us a line. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you think about them serial killers. Right. Tell us about the female serial killers. Right. Right? Yes. Because even H.H. H. Holmes is, he's a proprietor of a hotel and he's welcome. I am your host. Oh, boy. And down the trap door you go. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah, I want to hear about the female serial killers. Right. Probably poisoning people or something. Probably. In their food. Right. Dumb. Like arsenic and old lace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fun they're happy right terrible uh we're also uh, on itunes uh that is apple podcasts that's probably how you found us but if you're not subscribed to us on itunes or on google play or google podcasts or stitcher or those other services uh why not check us out there subscribe to the show so you know exactly when it's ready when it comes out also give us a little review if the spirit moves you because hearing from you lets us know how we're doing and give us a rating Probably the most important because that's how we move up in the ranks. When we get a good, when we get a good rating, excuse me, uh, we move up in the ranks. We reach more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can get all of. They're all 
under our spell because we're power and we're becoming the most amazing podcast. <laughs> chomp, 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 chomp. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Get in the wheelchair. Jeez. Let's do this. Okay. Uh, wheelchair scene. Better in Manhunter or in Hannibal? I think it was better in Manhunter. I got to go with Hannibal. Really? Yeah. Okay. I never... That iconic shot of a guy rolling yes. down the thing and he's on fire. Yes. I remembered it differently. Because really? all it is is the back of a security guard's head. Yes. Interesting choice. Mm-hmm. I guess you're obeying the 180 rule, but we're just seeing a guy read a book. Yep. And he does a double take and then he's like, and then right. Then, and then it's like two seconds of a guy rolling toward the camera. It's a shock. Mm-hmm. But you flip over to Hannibal and it's like this beautiful overcranked sort of guy yeah. and then he hit he flips into a fountain yeah <laughs> like that's it. true it's just so operatic yeah it's extra yeah that serial killers and the serial killer genre are is extra yeah it's super extra yeah so for that reason give us five guys rolling down an incline <laughs> on fire in a wheelchair <laughs> you gotta have a van yeah. If you're a serial killer. Apparently. Yeah. Do the Ted Bundy thing. Because you got to get a guy. And it's got to be a handicap uh, accessible Accessible? <laughs> Nobody. Thinking ahead. Nobody's like, oh, he's just helping his his handicapped uncle. Right. Uh, who's tied to the chair and has right. a gag on to say, please help me. Right. I need to be an avatar in 30 years. <laughs> Stephen Lang. So uh, anyway, skip all that and uh, give us five stars. Uh, Next week, we'll be talking about something else, Mm -hmm. as we usually do. And uh, as per usual, we make no promises, but we'll try to let you know what that is before we come back. But we will be back. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. (laughs) 